scripture this morning is uh, there on the screen, Matthew chapter 2, uh, 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12, and I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard Bible. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means less among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go. And search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. So I'm excited to have one more chance to preach with y'all today, and that means more Christmas jokes, right? So here's some Christmas jokes. Why shouldn't you lend money to elves? They're always short. Yep, yep. Why shouldn't you trust snowmen? They're always up to snow good. What did one Christmas tree say to the other? You need to line up. And what did the ocean say when Santa flew over? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> I just like sharing these jokes. It kind of gets us in that Christmas spirit, and it just it all makes us laugh and giggle, and, you know, that's a good thing to do during this Christmas season is to laugh and remember the good things, right? Sometimes we focus so much on the, the bad things and what's on the news and what's going on in the world that it's good just to laugh a little with your family, right? So we're continuing with the characters of Christmas, and we will look a little deeper at the wise men this morning. So we looked at Herod the king, right? We've looked at Mary. Uh, we looked at the shepherds. And so today we're going to look at the wise men. And I actually, I really like it because we're kind of getting the full effect of all the characters of Christmas. And I feel like this is the first time I've seen that in a core, and, you know, core do that. So I'm actually excited. It's been pretty amazing to just get a little deeper into what the characters are doing during this Christmas season. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew 2, 1 through 12, and we're going to stay in that passage, but I want to thank Major David for reading it. And so that's the passage we're going to stay in. 
And what I like to do, I like to reread it because we can't read the Bible enough, can we? No, we can't. So I'm going to reread it for you. And again, that's Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to stay in that passage. And it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi went the east, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by the means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Isn't this an incredible story? An incredible story. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, open our hearts, open our minds this morning. Lord, I just pray that you point out something new to us, Lord. And Lord, as we look through Scripture, point something that we need to hear from you this morning. Lord, we love you, and we give you thanks, and we thank you for waking us up on another beautiful day. Lord, you're the reason for the season, and help us to remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. So who are the wise men? We get the word wise men in our English translations to interpret the word magos, which typically means something like those who have wisdom through investigation and interpretation of the movements of heavenly bodies. Matthew tells us through our scripture that the wise men were heading east. There are speculations that they were coming from Persia, which is modern-day Iraq. Many people in the east were watchers of the stars, Often, often divining special meaning and purpose. Who in here knows the song, We Three Kings? Well, of course you do, because we just sang it, right? But I love that song. That's a great Christmas song, We Three Kings. It's a famous hymn we hear throughout the Christmas season, right? We don't know if there were three of them. We get the idea of three from the three gifts offered to Jesus, because they offer three gifts that's in Scripture. It's likely there were more than three due to Matthew saying a stir was caused when reaching Jerusalem. They weren't kings, but prominent and influential religious leaders from the east, right? The wise men were earnest in their desire to find the king of the Jews. They combined knowledge of Old Testament writings and their reliance on a star to find the king of the Jews. God was meeting these seekers where they were, utilizing his power 
over heavenly bodies to direct them to his son. How incredible is that? God is willing to meet us where we are if we seek him. He will meet us where we are if we seek him, right? It wasn't until I sought him that God showed me the plan for my life. Sometimes we think it will just come to us by doing nothing. We can't do nothing. We have to seek his presence, right? We have to read our scripture. We have to pray. There are things that we have to do to seek him. We can't, you know, it won't come to us by doing nothing. We can't draw closer to him if we're doing nothing. We have to do, we have to read scripture. We have to pray. We have to do those things to draw closer to him. God wants us to seek him first. Then he will show us the path for our life. If we don't seek him, then we might never find out what that path is. Don't sit in the darkness this world has to offer because Jesus coming back will be a glorious day. If you agree with that, say amen. Jesus coming back is a glorious day. It's a glorious day that we are all looking forward to. We don't want to miss it. We shouldn't want to miss it. God can meet a seeking sinner with impure motives and uncertain beliefs and point that soul to his son. He can. He's done it for all of us in here. So why can't he do it out there? We can't give up on someone because we simply think that it's too late. I mean, someone could have done that with us, said, oh, they're gone. But instead, we heard the Bible from someone somewhere. And so we need to do the same. We need to tell others about the Son, Jesus Christ. We have all been in that boat. And some of us may still be in that boat. We might. But don't let that boat sink. Don't make it, don't, don't let it be too late. Jump out. Jump out of that boat. Follow the Savior today. So the wise men, it was a costly worship. There were four responses from the wise men in the story. They sought, they obeyed, they bowed, and they gave. The wise men were not perfect. They weren't perfect people, but we aren't either, right? But they sought, they obeyed, they bowed, they gave, right? They sought the truth by following the star and reading ancient prophecies. They obeyed the voice of the angel who told them not to return to Herod. They bowed at the sight of Jesus. And they gave precious gifts as an act of devotion and worship. We can learn something from these wise men. We can learn something from this story. This was not a cheap worship. This was not a casual event. I'm afraid our worship of Jesus is often flippant, right? We like to flip. We sing on Sundays without excitement and often roll our eyes when we have to attend one more weekly meeting. What happened to meeting on Sunday night? The holiness meeting the Salvation Army used to do. What happened to a lot of these meetings that we used to do? We get so caught up in Sundays, Sunday mornings, and that's it. We don't do anything else to feed our soul, right? We, gotta, we can't be that way. We have to always feed ourselves with his word. But if Jesus is our true king, if he is the light of the world who saved us from our sins, then isn't he worthy of our whole self, body, and soul? Isn't he worthy? I think he is. So how do we give our all? Our all? I want you to turn to James chapter 4. 
James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 17. Again, that's James chapter 4, verses 7 through 17. And so this is a a little tidbit of how we give our all. It says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know that your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, You boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Submit to God. Follow God. The wise men, they sought a king. And when they arrived, they obeyed him. They bowed to him. They gave him gifts. We already know the whole story, and we still have problems with doing that. We still have problems with doing that. The wise men, they offered a costly worship. Will you? Will you offer a costly worship? It's not easy to give up everything. It's not. But it is worth it. There's things that we like to hold on to because they make us happy. Y'all, there's only one thing that's going to make us happy, and that's Jesus Christ. Only one thing. That's Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you are. I'm an example of of living a costly worship. I followed God's calling in my life. And it ended up putting me hours away from my family. And I'm sure many of you in this room understand that. Sometimes following God costs us something. We may never know what that is, and we may never find out. Following God might cost you something. But in the end, it's worth it. When I found out my calling, and I told my wife, and I was like, This is what he's calling me to. I didn't know where it would take me. Who knew it would take me far away from my family? In such a time where they were going through chaos. My parents were going through a divorce. But I truly believe God was getting me out of that situation. Because I think it would have dragged me down. And Satan would have used it against me. 
but I followed God. I got to continue to, I got to continue to remain loyal to God, follow Him. And guys, it's been an incredible journey. It has. God has taken me to so many places, and I know that He's got me in His hands, and I know you know that too. So continue to follow Him, believe in Him. Just like the wise men did when they saw him. Believe in him. So the wise men, they obeyed, right? They obeyed the angel and sought this king out. They arrived and bowed in the presence of Jesus. They gave gifts as an act of devotion and worship. Is there, whole, is there, is there something holding you back? from truly following Jesus? Is there something standing between you and Jesus? And we all have something that we can get caught up in. Something that we've been through in our past or something that we're going through now that can hold us up from getting to the true king. We can't worship God if there's something that we put before him. We can't. We can't worship God if there's something we put before him. Sometimes we put our possessions, we put our family, we put things in the way of God. We have to remove those things. I'm not talking about remove your family altogether. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if that's all, if that's what you're worshiping, then you got it wrong. So what are you seeking this morning? The Lord or whatever's separating you from him. Anyone know Charles Spurgeon? Well, Charles Spurgeon said this about the star that led the wise men to Jesus. He was born of lowly parents, laid in a manger, and wrapped in infant clothes. But the the principalities and powers in the heavenly places are in motion. First, an angel descends to proclaim the advent of the newborn king, but the activity was not confined to the spirits above, for the heavens above the earth began to stir. A star is sent on behalf of all the stars, as if it were the envoy of all worlds to represent them before their king. This star was put into commission to await the Lord, to be his herald to men far away, and to be God's ushers to conduct these wise men into Christ's presence. The creator of the heavens and the earth directed the stars to draw people to himself. This shows us the love of God for the world. And what does John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the love of God. This is how much he loves us. How much he loves us. God offered redemption through his son for those who believe. His love is deep, and he wants you to know him. His love is deep. He wants you to know him. If he can use a star for the wise men, then he will use other things to grab your attention. He will. He has to me. Sometimes we must listen and let God speak, which can be difficult for people during busy days. And these are busy days. Flee for the Salvation Army with kettles, angel tree, 
counting money in the mornings. Everything that we do is busy. But that doesn't mean we don't take time for God. That doesn't mean that we just stop giving our all to the Lord. We have to continue doing those things even through the busyness. It may seem hard, but like I said, it's worth it. Heaven is waiting for those who believe, for those who obey, for those who give their all. So take time to listen and let God speak to you this Christmas season. So the gifts, these gifts that were given from the wise men, these men gave lavish gifts, which meant they were expensive. We don't know exactly what each gift meant, but here's an idea of what they could have meant. They say gold symbolized wisdom. The frankincense symbolized prayer offered toward God. And the myrrh, an offering of our bodies as a living sacrifice, a devotion of mind, soul, and body. Some say that the gold represented kingship, the frankincense, his deity, and the myrrh, his humanity. On that last gift, it is interesting to note that myrrh was offered to Jesus as a kind of painkiller as he agonized on the cross, and he, review, and he refused it, stated in Mark 15, 23. It was also used as an embalming fluid at his burial found in John 19, 38-42. Is this a foreshadowing of the suffering and death Jesus would endure for sinners? We can't be overbearing about the meaning of the gifts, but we can be sure that true worship involves giving. Giving should be natural overflow of our heart that is grateful for Jesus. Right? Who gave everything for us? Jesus gave everything for us. He died on the cross. He forgave us of all the sins we have done. He didn't have to do that, but he did. So giving should be important for us as Christians. We should want to give. Our hearts should be overflowing. We should want to give. Nobody forced the wise men to give. They did it willingly as the Spirit of God loosened their hands from their possessions. Giving doesn't get you to Jesus. It doesn't. But it's a sure sign you know him. It's a sign you know him. It's not about the gifts they gave, but that Jesus is the true gift of this season. He's the true gift of this season. So the wise men, we can learn a lot from the story, right? You know, they came, King Herod sent them. They didn't know what they were going to find. They found the king of the Jews, the king of the world. They didn't go back to Herod because an angel told them to not go back. And then they gave him gifts. They bowed. They worshipped him. Are you worshipping Jesus this season? Are you giving your all to him this season? Are you giving to others out of the graciousness of your heart?
So when you are confronted by Jesus this Christmas, which of these three responses best describe you? Adoration, the wise men who sought Jesus' great personal sacrifice and would not give up until they could bow before him in costly worship. Anger, King Herod, who was threatened by the presence of Jesus, who disrupted Herod's quest for personal power and selfish ambition. Or apathy, the scribes and priests who knew the scriptures and were at a place of worship, but who missed Jesus due to their fear of men and their self-righteousness and spiritual apathy. So which one are you? Are you seeking? Are you seeking Jesus this morning? Are you threatened by the presence? You shouldn't be. We can know the scriptures all day long. We can come on Sunday. We can come every Sunday and we can worship him. But that doesn't mean we have a relationship with him. Only you know that. So do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? The wise men, they went seeking and they found Jesus. Will you do the same? Will you seek? Will you find him? And maybe you already know him. But just because you know him, don't stop seeking him. That's the point. Don't stop seeking him. We can never learn enough. Will you give generously due to Jesus giving his life for you? Will you give because he gave his life for you? And the question is, will you give your life for him? It's hard to give your all. It's hard to drop everything. It is. But from personal experience, it's worth it. There are things that he's brought us through, but he's brought us through and it's made us stronger. And as long as we trust him through those weaknesses, he will get us through them. And we'll end up, he'll end up making us stronger through them. So, this morning, the altar's open. It's open for you. It's open for me. But anyone who wants to seek Jesus, the altar's open. Or you can pray at your seats. But I just want to give you a few minutes between you and the Lord this morning. So take this time. Seek him. If you have him, continue to seek him. But just take this moment to pray. Come pray.